Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host, Luke Velasco, of course, joined by Tony Mulvey. Tony, we've got a fantastic lineup for us today. Uh, but first, you know, Tony, before before we get into all the all the craziness, with, with fuel, some changes in fuel, some changes in RFPs, some changes in um, in in just the markets. How was vacation last week? It was fantastic. It yeah. was much needed. I think it was the first time I've taken a week off since I started. Yeah. So yeah. it was needed. Where, didn't you start like two months ago though? So <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> you know, Tony, you know, he's on the takes about a week off every other week. So, you know, you gotta watch it. That's why, like, when we pause the show, it's because Tony's on vacation. Coming from you. Um, I'm not, hey, that's not a bad thing. Like, obviously, you have a system that works. Where'd you go? So went down to Tybee Island. So yep. got to go see uh container ships kind of flow up into the port of Savannah. Yeah. So the few that passed by while I was there. Were, uh, were you at the beach most of the time? I was there a few the hours guy? each day. It depends. Uh, yeah. Weather kind of sucked in the afternoon, so yeah. kind of cut back on the beach time, but also a little pale, so, uh, you know, didn't yeah. want to get burnt. That's understandable. Well, we're glad you got to enjoy some time off. I've uh, I've only been to Tabby Island once. It was in January, like two years ago. So it was uh, not maybe, maybe a year and a half ago. Um it was a nice place, but the weather was still a little bit cold. It's not, yeah. not quite ideal. But thinking about um, in October, maybe trying to hit the Keys. Never been to the Keys. Interesting place, too. Yeah, so I've been told. So we'll, we'll find out. But anyways, um, folks, we've got, we've, got, we've got some interesting things to talk about here today, okay? Um, you know, we're, we, we've seen the market soften a lot, okay? We've heard, we've heard that talk about. I know, um, you know, we talked about it entering the recession, and we'll, we'll kind of discuss what that means. But I think there's been a lot of conversations around, um, you know, why we haven't seen contract rates move a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen spot rates fall approximately 30% um, from, I think, their peak in February. But contract rates hit their peak in March, and they've just kind of stayed there. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really a surprise when you think about kind of how contract rates work, right? If you think about e- the beginning of each quarter, you really see them come online and then they're pretty stable for a quarter. Right. And this is where we've talked about that like mini bid, quarterly bid cycle as opposed to that annual cycle. And you really haven't seen it come down until recently, right? Mm-hmm. Since the beginning of the the third quarter now. And I mean, it's not really a surprise, but I think what's interesting is you're starting to hear it from the big players in their quarterly reports. Yeah. I mean, J.B. Hunt last night, Shelly Simpson said, you're starting to see a seasonally normal July. What is seasonally normal in July typically? I mean, like yeah. without COVID, it's typically a softer I'm month. A soft month yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if the big guys are feeling it, the small guys yeah. definitely are. Yeah, def- most definitely. And I think... J.B. Hunt actually had a, a really good first half of the year, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? A lot of strong intermodal uh, uh, section of their business performing performing very well. Uh, so that that adds up and that makes perfect sense. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to them in Q3. And I think, honestly, probably Q4 is where it's really going to be telling. Yeah, I mean, their, their business model is kind of set up to deal with some of these changes that we've seen in the market, yeah. some of these shifts, modal shifts, trying to make savings. And they talk about it. I mean, they, if you ever hear them talk, that they try to offer this full suite. I mean, you think about how they're broken out. They've got, they have truckload, but they also have their, what, the largest inter- domestic intermodal player. If you looked at intermodal volumes throughout most of Q2, I mean, we're talking up four or 5%. Guess what? Theirs were up 8%. What's that tell you? They have some buying power in the intermodal market. Well, they also have their brokerage, which actually saw volumes decline 3% in the quarter year over year. And then they've got dedicated, which is also kind of insulated from market yeah. conditions because it's almost operates like a private fleet. 
So it's definitely an interesting time. And uh, seeing their uh, results is definitely uh, kind of a look ahead into what's to come, where Q2 is probably pretty strong for these guys. Yeah. But their outlook on Q3, Q4, that's going to be what's really telling. Yeah. Now, I want to I want to make a point here because I think we're, we're going to... Um, uh, we've got a very special guest with us today, in fact, um, um, Brad Blooms from the, the CFO of Emerge. We're going to bring Brad on here in just a minute um, uh, to talk kind of about the RFP season and, and, and where things are heading. One thing, I want to just give a quick little update on the state of the market from a rate perspective on how spot rates and contract rates are interacting with each other. So let's go ahead and throw this chart up on the screen. We're going to look at it briefly here. Um, these are both line haul rates. If they seem a little bit low, that's why. So the, uh, so no fuel is included here. Blue line that you see, there, there's our contract rate per mile. This is drive-in that we're looking at. And then, uh, uh, so we're sitting at about 287, a line haul there. Um, looks like we're starting to see maybe kind of the tiniest softening there. We've plateaued, maybe coming down a little bit. Again, it's a little bit early. Those contract rates are about a week and a half behind uh, the market. And then the, and then the green line there are those daily spot rates updated each day. So sitting at right about two bucks a mile there. So about an 87 cent spread. So the question is now, um, and we're going to bring Brad in here in just a minute, you know, are we going to start seeing those contract rates come down? Yeah. I mean, I look at this and you look back into the end of May, right around Memorial Day, you saw an uptick for contract rates. Now around 4th of July, you're seeing it move down kind of a conflicting message of what you would think would be happening, right? You'd think rates get a little propped up during that time, around the 4th of July. Guess what? Wasn't yeah. necessarily the case. So perfect time to bring Brad on to talk about it. Absolutely. Brad, hey, are you with us? Are you with us on the phone line today? Hey, guys. How, how you doing? doing? Oh, there we go. We've got you covered. We're doing great. We're doing great. Thanks for joining us here today. Happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. I don't know if you heard our little montage here, you know, uh, with uh, uh, Tony over here taking vacation time. So I don't know what that's about here in the summertime. I thought we were supposed to work. But um, anyways, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Brad, for for folks here that maybe are not as familiar with with you and with Emerge, just kind of give us the 30-second the background on what you do and, and Emerge's place in the in the market. Sure. So uh, again, my, my name is Brad Bloomstrom. I'm the uh, Chief Financial Officer Um at Emerge Market. Um, and what we do, um, we're kind of the first freight-specific uh, procurement platform out there. So if you're a shipper uh, and you want to go procure freight, whether that's a single spot load for, you know, two days from now or whether you want to run an RFP, you know, to set your rates for the upcoming, you know, month if it's a mini bid or year if it's an annual bid, you know, use our software platform and you get out of doing that over spreadsheets and email. So drive a lot of efficiency for the shipper. And then also we wed that with the what is the first we view kind of marketplace linked to that and that carriers can kind of come in uh, to our platform and kind of bid on those events in real time and, um, you know, offer their rates into that as well. So the shipper gets access to lower rates, carriers get access to the new freight um, with shippers that they might not have had a direct relationship with uh, previously. Um, So we're kind of right at the nexus of seeing kind of all this reset in uh, spot and uh, contract rates where, where the procurement platform where a lot of it is happening. That's fantastic. So you, you guys are really in a, in a great place to kind of see the see the boots on the ground, if you will, and kind of how how really how the how the boots are interacting with each other, right, between those carriers and, and those shippers. Um, so we're we're here on the data side, right, and we're seeing and we, we've seen spot rates decline. I don't think that there's there's really not much of a surprise there. I think a lot of folks have been feeling that in the market, especially small carriers. Um, but uh, um, as contract rates still remain fairly elevated, we're, we're heading into Q three. You know. 
So I guess kind of the question that I keep hearing a lot of folks ask is, you know, with a with a giant spread, eighty seven cents per mile here, is there is there a is there a magic number or a percentage that spot rates that you're seeing have to be below to where your your shipper customers are coming and saying, hey, maybe now's the time to rebid and, and take advantage of that? Yeah, I don't know that there's any magic number you have to hit. I mean, you know, spot rates are always kind of a leading indicator for where contract is going to go, and spot rates have already kind of fallen, uh, and the contract is still kind of sitting there like. You know, Wiley Coyote even runs off the edge of the cliff, we haven't started falling yet. Um, so that's kind of where we are right now. I don't think it has to go any farther down. I mean, you're kind of seeing spreads that reflect, you know, bottoms of prior cycles. Um, so we, we're actually seeing a, a huge surge in RFP activity uh, for folks resetting contract rates, whether they're doing, you know, seasonal bids to reset just to capture lower rates for the next couple of months, or if they're doing larger events because they think that, you know, this is an opportunity time to lock in prices. I think just the reason you haven't seen that move in the in the output data that we're speaking to here is just there's a lag of those rates becoming effective. So if you want to put together an event today and you're running a traditional RFP, you know, it might take you a couple of weeks to organize it or a month to organize it and then a couple of weeks to award it. And then, you know, you know, weeks after that for freight to start showing up and deliver data. So it's just a lagging indicator. Um, I think you're going to see that start coming down pretty substantially because shippers are certainly uh, very aware of the spread that happens right now or that, that's available right now and they want to reset those lower. Um, so I think that's already in process. It just doesn't show up in the trailing historicals yet. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. And, and you've made it saying that spot leads contract. And, and we did a survey here at Freight Waves that kind of talked about this and kind of highlighted it. And then you kind of look at the stock market and things like that. You see the result or the stock prices of some of the biggest players in transportation and trucking. They follow the spot market pretty closely, but they're mainly contract. And I think it goes into what you were talking about, that leading indicator where those contract rates are going to follow the spot market. And ultimately, the stock market's kind of like a game of trying to pick who's going to be a winner in six months, not right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and shippers are kind of doing the same thing of, of timing right now of do they if they think freights are, or rates are going to fall farther, you know, they may only do a short, short run bid today and then try to do a bigger event, you know, back half of this year. Um, but again, they're, they're trying to maximize flexibility because, you know, since the start of COVID, we're seeing volatility and freight rates that's, you know, unlike most people's memory here. Is there, is there ever a situation um, where, you know, when we have this big gap, you have approximately a 30% gap between contract and spot. Is there ever a situation that you're seeing that shippers are saying, you know what, now we're, we're still not going to rebid right now? Is that happening? Do they Are there different strategies being deployed? Yeah, I mean, you, you'll see it tactically, I think, more than as like a, a long-term strategy. So it's probably tied to that time lag I was talking about before, where if you want to reset your contract rates, there's a process that you have to go through to run a bid and get all the uh, rates back from your, from your network carriers, um, for that to actually show up, you know, that might take a month or two to realize. And so in that intermediate time, you might be dipping tactically into the spot market. So you, you might see a little bit of that if, if the spread between spot and contract becomes even more pronounced. I don't think anybody's going to say we're never doing contract again and we're going to go live in the spot market. Um, I, I don't think that's a long-term strategy that people that want visibility on their budgeting are going to do. Um, but there also is kind of a hybrid there, like I was talking about before. And we see a ton of this as because our platform is built to do events that can be any duration from, you know, single spot load to a week rates to three months to a year. You know, you'll see people play with the durations on those. Um, and so if you're not doing spot directly, the shorter your bid is, the more it resembles spot. Um, so you'll see a bit of that 
tactically here in the meantime. But I think it's not going to be too different from previous cycles where people are going to reset the rates lower with contracts and or RFPs, and it's just going to take a little bit to show up in the data. Yeah, that was going to be my question was like, are you seeing some of these shipper customers dip their toe into the spot market in just an effort to get the rates while they're going through one of these shorter RFPs or like a, at accelerated RFP? Yeah, but it's again, it's purely tactical. Um, you know, so they might do it for a week or so or on specific freight and specific lanes that they have, you know, particular deals on uh, or their contract rates were particularly bad. But, you know, across the board, not generally. Yeah. Now, is this, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of your customers, you know, right, they have the ability to do different lengths of bids, right? Whether that's a single, single spot load or whether it's a, you know, a long-term, uh, a long-term RFP, right? Is there, is there a certain timeline that you're seeing that's maybe more common than another? Like, are they doing quarterly bids, six-month bid, just a monthly bid? Uh, you know, any, any one that's kind of, you know, outshining the others right now? Yeah, so uh, just shameless plug here for Emerge. You know, that's kind of one of the highlights of our, of our platform is that the flexibility to run shorter bids without with minimal effort is kind of the yeah. selling point. So what we're seeing and what particularly resonates with our customers is the ability to just condense bids. Uh, so we're seeing shorter duration bids. Um, again, you'll probably see more annual bids when you get into kind of the winter when people are budgeting for full year 23. But particularly in the volatility of the past two years, um, we're seeing bid cycles condense and, and shorter bid durations. You know, that may lengthen as, as shippers kind of think we're near a bottom on rates. Again, they have to kind of guess like you're kind of trying to guess where the stock market is going. They're trying to guess where the bottom is and lock in rates there. So, yeah. um, you know, you may see some shippers try to extend durations if rates keep falling really substantially. But I think more than anything, they just want flexibility. So some lanes they may want to lock in for a year and some they may want to bid seasonally because they don't know what their volumes are going to be. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes into what I was going to ask. And like moving forward out of this period that we're in, right, where we have this enormous spread and we move into what you would call maybe more normal spread, right, between spot and contract rates. I mean, do you have expectations of like what, what, like the tr- moving forward, what these RFP cycles are going to be? Are they going to be shorter in nature than maybe they were uh, a few years ago based on now we have a lot of data and platforms that were able to do this, these shorter, more tactical type RFPs uh, to take advantage of market conditions either way on the upward or downward uh, movements but it seems like in the past it was everything was annual and now it's like everything's trying to shorten it do you think it's just going to be a blend or one's going to win out over the other i think you'll probably see shorter duration bids because one driving factor we saw for longer bids and one of the the theses behind creating emerge was um the, the bid process itself is a pain so if you're a procurement manager or a transportation manager at a big shipper you know going through a bid process you know, in a traditional manner with spreadsheets and email is pretty cumbersome. So it takes several weeks of your time at a minimum, you know, potentially longer if you're dealing with a big complicated network and multi-rounds and complicated big network freight. Um, So there was a a cost there of just the effort to do it. And so people wanted to minimize the frequency of that just because they didn't have enough hours in a day. So our view was we want to enable and unlock the end of the market where people want to run more frequent bids with lower cost and, you know, being able to get a bid live in a couple of days or same day, depending on the, the complexity of it, um, rather than spending, you know, weeks or months of your life on it as part of a, a natural, fully annual bid cycle. So we always think there's going to be people that want to do annual bids for budgeting purposes. Uh, but we think that 
as a proportion of overall freight is probably going to be moving towards the direction of shorter bids just because that's now available um, and it wasn't previously to a lot of folks. Yeah, and there's probably nothing wrong with having an annual bid in place, but they, they need to have the flexibility to be able to pivot when 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 need be. And, and tools like Emerge definitely help with that. And it makes sense. I would start, believe this or not, um, well, you'll, you'll probably believe this, Brad, but like Tony, I was talking with a Fortune 500 uh, company last week um, who's in the process of, of adding on Sonar. And they were saying that they, just their, the spot side of their business, and keep in mind, only like 10 or 12% of their business is even spot at this point. But they were saying that that portion of their business requires 10,000 manual emails a week, back and forth, yeah. just between providers, between them, because they're, they're, they basically send out a blast, right, of an email, and then people bit, and then they get like 50 emails back for like each load, and it's just, it's a mess. Something like, you know, your, your tool would definitely help them cut down on that. I mean, I, I thought he misspoke. I was like, maybe he said 1,000 emails a week. No, it was 10,000 emails a week, just to manage 12% of their business. So, yeah, I mean, all they wanted to do was basically just how can we stop, <laughs> you know, what yeah, are we I'm biased, but I think that's, that's a key value prop of moving this into a software yeah. system like ours is that you just get out of the unstructured data like that. Yeah, it's it's funny because you think these big companies have have these IT resources and, and to an extent they, they do. But in I think in the, the logistics and supply chain space or the transportation segments of their supply chains, it's been neglected for so long. But I think the last two and a half years definitely a lot of troubles, but it's, I think, given a lot of these companies a kick in the pants to say, yeah, okay, maybe we do need to address some of these, some of the technology. Uh, it's become the problem. It's become a board level problem that, yeah. you know, the, the upper management cares about versus just people that are working in operations or logistics. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know, Brad, I mean, this is kind of, uh, uh, what do you, I guess the, where I'll go with this is what do you think's coming in Q3, Q4? I mean, I know it's kind of been this hot topic of how everything's moving, how the market's changed so much just from Q1, which was historic, right? We've had record high rates during that quarter in comparison to previous Q1s, but then Q2 was definitely softer in comparison. Where do you think we're headed in Q3, Q4? And what do you hear from both your shipper partner or shipper customers and on the carrier side? So I think from now until the end of the year, there's going to be a massive wave of RFPs. Um, people that have been waiting to do stuff for 18 months, you know, that have been living in shorter duration, uh, either opportunities or living mostly in spot because um, tender rejection rates were really high in their network and they kind of had to live by default in a lot of spot volume. I think people are going to run a lot of RFPs to try to lock in, you know, the, the flip side now that the market has shifted so much in their favor if you're a shipper. So we're already seeing that. Again, it's a leading indicator for what shows up in the, the sonar data we we're talking about earlier. Uh, but you're going to see a, a big proliferation of, of RFP events. So if you're a carrier, you know, get, get your pencils ready because um, you're going to be submitting a lot of bids and negotiating awards and all that. And, and shippers are already on top of that. Um, so you'll see a rotation away from spot into contract freight um, as you know contract rates end up coming down with these reset RFPs. Um, and so, and then I think you'll probably end up finding a bottom on spot rates at some point, and then you know, knock on wood, theoretically, we end up back in some sort of normalcy in, in 23. So I, I heard Brad say it: rates are coming down, meaning the profit margins for shippers are going up. I'm gonna go ahead and get my Robin Hood out here and go long on Target and Walmart. <laughs> That's what Brad said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not financial advice. <laughs> um, and if it was, you wouldn't want to get it from me. But um, uh, no, that, that makes perfect sense. So I, yeah, I think I think that's the key too is that this normalcy aspect of it, right? And and it's 
we, we have to define normalcy because normalcy probably like three years ago is a little bit different from normalcy today, right? You know, now there's a lot more tools at play to be able to pivot and be a little, a little more nimble in the market, you know, um, and, and I think that's helped a lot of folks. So it's, it's almost like if the volatility is here to stay, we just need to have tools to be able to manage it in a normal cadence. And I think that'll be, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Brad, do you think from, from a technology perspective, just kind of thinking, you know, beyond Sonar, beyond Emerge, but like at a high level here, you know, what are the, um, you know, what are the key pieces of technology that you think shippers are going to have to adopt to kind of differentiate themselves to be, um, to really be, or, or take their operations to the next level, right? Improve their performance, you know, as they report up to the C-suites who now have a lot of eyes on them. What it, what pieces of technology do you think they're going to have to implement or, or problems are going to have to get solved with technology? Yeah, so um, I think just generally there's going to be a leveling up in terms of sophistication on the shipper side. Again, this goes back to the prior point we were just talking about where, you know, this is a board level concern. It's getting more resources internally, both in terms of budget and, and uh, people's time. Uh, and, and people want to see results on, on bringing shipping costs down. You know, a lot of big um, shippers have been, uh, hurt in the stock market recently because either their transportation costs were too high or their inventory was too high. Both of those are supply chain or demand forecasting issues um, that are going to require additional focus, you know, as people want to be more capital efficient here um, in the current market environment. So I think more intelligent demand forecasting and linking that to procurement uh, is interesting. So I would say that also kind of dovetails in what we're talking about and that sophistication is going to come from Rather than just set it and forget it, uh, one time a year bids, you know, where you get your handful of network carriers all lined up and you just hit the tender button and go play golf. Um, the expectations for the av- average shipping manager are going to go up um, in terms of, you know, am I, you know, tactically accessing better rates here for a, a quarterly bid, but leaving the bulk of my stuff on my prior annual bid? Um, or, you know, if business priorities change and inventory levels are changing and my freight demand is down, how am I adjusting there? So I think linking the ability to do better demand forecasting with your ability to serve um, and react to changes in that real time are interesting. So one example we saw during the COVID era, for example, was if you were a big beer producer, um, you probably usually shipped a lot of your product in kegs to stadiums. Um, and then that went to zero and you had to reallocate all that to cans that people were drinking at home. And the ability to do that with flexibility and with minimal disruption was uh, really tough. And so I think a lot of different people are seeing that. So that's, not necessarily an error of demand forecasting. It was kind of a, a you know, world event, uh, but the ability to respond to changes like that in, in rapid, uh, in a short amount of time are really important. I'll give you final question here, Brad. Um, I always, I like to ask folks, if you can, if you're going to make a bold prediction, right, what bold prediction would you imagine for the, for the industry that may take place in the next 18 to 24 months? Not going to hold you to it, but I'm always fascinated by folks' answers. Bold prediction. Um, I think the boldest prediction might be that we might see something normal in 23 because that's not normal anymore. Um, maybe I'm too optimistic, but <laughs> we could use a little I optimism. Cool. I like it. <laughs> you know, um, there's been a lot of turmoil ups and downs in terms of supply availability and then excess consumer demand and inflation tied to it. And so there's 18 different variables that are moving at the, the ends of what their historical bounds are. Just coming back towards the medium would be um, kind of a bold take right now. So I'll stick with that one. No, I like it. Brad, thanks so much for joining us. If folks want to get in touch with you or Emerge, what's the best way to do that? Find us, uh, learn about us at EmergeMarket.com. Awesome.
Thanks for joining us today, Brad. Have a good rest of your day, all right? Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I, I, I like what you said, too. I think there's there's been a big discouragement from probably folks doing these shorter bid cycles because the tools weren't there. They weren't scalable. But that's that's no longer the case. Yeah, and now the market's kind of presenting this opportunity that these technologies that have been built over the past few years can really shine through. Yep. And I think that's the key is now, now it's not that they're there and they work. Now it's the adoption of them. And, yep. and you're going to start to see that, uh, especially as shippers become more savvy with their supply chains, yep. which before it was, like you said, you hit the tender button and you went and played golf. Like now it's, it's a lot more eyes yeah. on it. So definitely a lot more eyes. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us today on Whistler. We will see you live next Wednesday, 3.30 p.m. And then we will have a lot more to discuss next week. In the meantime, have a fantastic rest of your day and we'll see you next week. Yeah.